thus far. We've been working <clears throat> with two closely interrelated approaches to awareness. One, whole body breathing. It's still about awareness. It's just we've narrowed the field of what we attend to by intention. It's something we deliberately decide to do. It's been found to be useful for thousands of years, even long before the Buddha giving exclusive attention to the breath was well known in India. Mainly to concentrate and calm the mind and then quite naturally in the second awareness training allowing that to extend itself to include the entire field of our experience entire mind-body process, the environment, whatever impinges upon our sense organs, whatever we know. These two together is a classical meditation technique offered by the Buddha called Anapanasati, mindfulness of breathing or full awareness of breathing, where the breath is used not only to develop serenity, calm, but also to use this <clears throat> calm clarity to get to know the body in and of itself, meaning internally without any concepts, just the raw experience of bodily existence, to get to know feelings, which are not quite what we think of as emotions, as the world is received through our sense organs. We receive it as either pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. Sounds come in. It's not that we have to deliberate. We experience them a certain way. Then the mind itself, and that includes what we call emotion, the different moods, thoughts, images, memories, plans, worries, all that is quite familiar to each and every one of us. And typically, we spend our life living with inside this enclosure created by the mind. Ideas about who we are, who we used to be, who we will be. Identifications with particular religions, countries, and so forth. These are facts. And then the, then the insight into all of this This is where Vipassana, pure and simple, comes in. 
as we sit and breathe, this is the second mode, which we've been doing for a few days now. As we sit and breathe, we begin to see just what actually is happening. Throw away all your theories, including Buddhist ones. It's about direct seeing. Throw away all your explanations, at least temporarily. And you can see that things come and go. We tend to define ourselves by these different moods, mind states, images, notions about ourselves. We identify with them and then take them to be who we are. And then we have to live with that. Typically, we go through life that way. Maybe now and then, getting a jolt and becoming a little reflective. But in this approach, we deliberately investigate with an innocent mind, a fresh mind. What is this? What is this? What's going on here? Investigation here is not with thinking. It's using the calmness, the clarity that we've been developing to carefully watch this process as it unfolds. Get to know the mind exactly as it is. Each one of us must do it by ourselves. Sometimes, very often, in fact, the more books you read about the mind, the further you get from knowing your own mind. You cannot really understand what the Buddha is teaching without getting to know your own mind. You won't really, you'll think you understand it, emphasize think. And just as much as I've said, we see that the body, feelings, all the different mind states, wherever we look, we see, in a sense, an insubstantiality. It's a condition, as mentioned last evening. It arises, passes away. It appears, it disappears. You can see it, just like clouds coming and going. You watch the weather. This is the internal weather we're watching seems to be similar lawfulness. We don't know what's coming out of what the brain will secrete in the next moment. What thought, what image. This would be enough. You don't need any more. This is a, a complete method. Anapanasati. And we've been using the condensed method. We've condensed 16 steps into two. Calming the mind and then watching everything come and go. When we say we see that it's empty, we don't mean it's non-existent. It has a certain insubstantiality because it isn't permanent. It operates, can seem permanent, like fear, loneliness. can feel like a mountain. can feel like it's never going to go away. But if you watch carefully, an investigation here is just a careful, silent, attentiveness, you'll see that it thins out in the light of awareness. It's very clear. It loses potency in one moment. It's not there anymore. 
Okay, so what is this third? Why do we need a third method? You don't. Although quite naturally, sitting with the breath in the way in which we have been, at some point in practice often leads to just what is called sometimes choiceless awareness or open awareness, free attention. You're already quite close to it. We've been using an embodied awareness, sitting with the breath as an anchor and watching the show. In this third step, choiceless awareness, it's really the same thing except absolutely no agenda whatsoever, none. We're not using the breath as an anchor. There's just awareness. Your home is awareness. More and more resting in that awareness that all of us have. We may not know it. A stillness, a clarity that's always here. It's between thoughts, it's between breaths. It's like the space in this room filled up with all of us and we're concerned with us. And now we're resting in the space which includes us. So as we sit, what's choiceless about it? One, as we've been doing, no agenda. There's nothing that's supposed to happen. There's no meditation theme that's pre-selected. Well, I came with this issue, I want to work through it. Well, just see your mind is worried, preoccupied. But I want to solve it. See that. What is that? Throw the words out. So we let life set the agenda. The only difference, the main difference, between the second mode of awareness and the third is we're not using the breath in an intentional way as an anchor. We're just practicing being awake. And it's choiceless in the sense we're not for or against anything. That's been true all along. We're developing equanimity. An evenness of mind. We're not picking and choosing. We're not for, we're not against. We're not explaining, we're not interpreting. We're not using what's happening as a stepping stone to get somewhere else. There's just pure observation. We're developing the art of pure observation. No motive other than the seeing, like a mirror. Whatever you put in front of it, it reflects it. It doesn't decide to reflect it, it just does it. That's what mirrors do. And then you remove that. It's not that the mirror decide, decided it doesn't want to reflect this anymore. The object is removed so it doesn't reflect it. It reflects what's next. Maybe nothing, maybe just space. Fine. So the ancient Chinese called this dusting off the mirror. What's the dust? Pretty much everything. 
scratch out pretty much. It's sometimes called inhabiting a homeless home. What? Why would anyone want to be homeless? Well, what it is really getting at is being at home everywhere. Since you have no prearranged place to be, we're learning how to be where we are, fully and comfortably. Now, it doesn't mean, well, now I don't use the breath. How would you do that? You die. So the breath is still there. For example, in my own case, I did years of breath awareness and then quite naturally was drawn to just sitting, period. But the breath was usually very often quite vivid and strong. Fine. Of course I knew it. But it isn't an official object of attention. It's not a prearranged theme that I direct attention to. It's just what's there. So nothing is left out. Nothing is unwanted. And one of the wonderful things that can be learned in this method precisely because you have no agenda, is you really get to know your own mind as it is. Or you have that opportunity. Because one of the things that I, if you pay attention, I think you'll find, you'll see there are certain things you don't want to know. What is it you don't want to watch? Invaluable. Sometimes people will say, I'm stuck. I've been on this plateau for a long time. Very often I found what that means is that practice is going well to a point and now there's something about to emerge. Uh-uh. Don't force anything. Just see the resistance. Very often it's pointing to what we don't really want to face. We're not forcing anything. We're not saying, you get your face back into that. No. It's relaxed, it's easy, it's free, it's open. It's a big party, everything's welcome. But You know, we can watch clouds go by without getting involved because we can't control them. We can watch the animal kingdom, birds flying by. But then when it comes to the content of our own body and especially the mind. The mind here includes the heart. We get quite involved. One very important teaching of the Buddha, the Bhaya Sutta, to paraphrase, in the seeing is just what is seen. That's it. In the hearing, there's just what's heard. In the smelling, there's just what's smelled. In the thinking, there's just what's thought, etc. Everything is exactly as it is. But we tend to define ourselves by that. But we can see it. And little by little, we let go. The letting go is not something you try to do. It would be actually 
probably more accurate to say let it be. But we're letting it be in the light of awareness. More and more, please come to recognize awareness. There's something in us that sees all this. In Vipassana meditation, to begin with, and probably forever, if you're practicing this way, there's a concern for objects and awareness. A knowing and that which is known. As the practice matures and ripens, at least in our approach, objects, of course, continue to emerge, come and go. But more and more, there's an interest in awareness in and of itself. What is it? It's not to define it. It's to come to experience it, come to become familiar with it, come to understand its immense value. And more and more prefer to be awareness. Because we've spent a lot of investing, we've invested a good deal of energy and time in defining ourselves through the content of our mind. I used to be, I am, I will be. Typical when we come to a retreat center. I have these flaws, I had them, I'm going to come here and practice, then I'll be so much better. Just drop all that. Drop what you came here to solve. Just take it one moment at a time. And then very often there's the question, well, do I just go from one object to another or is it more global or wide angle lens or zoom lens? Life will tell you. This is just an analogy. It's hardly perfect. If you listen to a classical symphony orchestra, there are many instruments that blended together and you might hear it as that. And then suddenly one instrument predominates and you hear that. And then there's some silence and you hear that. And maybe you're a pianist, so when that piece comes in, you're much more interested. Or if you play the cello, you're more interested when that happens. And then suddenly it's all the, it's orchestrated. And it's just one process that's received in a comprehensive way. Don't figure it out. There's nothing to figure out. Now, when you ta- if you, inevitably, if you keep doing this, you will taste some silence. It may be a few seconds here and there. Know it when it comes. Because little by little, uh, we, the, the practice aims in that direction of silence and spaciousness. That silence and spaciousness is already here. As much as you could ever want. It's vast. The magnitude of the mind is immense. We're living in a tiny corner of it, cultivating it, trying to fix it up, improve it. And it's not working out too well. Or we wouldn't be here. You can't 
force your way into silence. Any attempt to get to silence or to silence the mind is a struggle. What you can do is just enjoy the show. Watch everything arise and pass away. But please include silence and space when it comes. Get to know it. Allow yourself to rest in it. Familiarize yourself with it. And little by little it gets stabilized. And as all this coming and going, its hold over us weakens through being seen. In the light of awareness, everything is coming and going and we see it just for what it is. We don't define ourselves by it or we don't identify with it. We don't make anything. We just let it all happen. And I think that more and more you see the immense significance of awareness. We hinted at last night the unconditioned. It's not confused, it's not old, it's not young, it's not sick, it's not healthy, it's not American, it's not European, it's not Asian, it's not Latin American, it's not a man, it's not a woman. It just sees. And in that seeing, there's compassion, there's intelligence. It's innate, it's intrinsic. But don't take that, take my word for it. The only way you'll ever really confirm it is by practicing. Not trying to get to it, but just doing our same old Vipassana practice. If you need to, going back to the breath to stabilize your mind, if you feel it's a little wild or too much vexation. And a byproduct of it is we find ourselves in a new dimension. And then just allow that to work on you. I'm not going to say any more. You'll have to learn it from your own experience. But let me read a, a beautiful Dharma poem. Or song which conveys the spirit of everything I just said. Don't worry about memorizing any of the words. We'll also have copies for you when you go home. But just allow the, that, that quality of energy that underlies these beautifully put words to convey what, what, what has been, been said so far. It's called Free and Easy. And it's by Lama Gendun Rinpoche. Happiness cannot be found. Let these words sink in and, and affect you. Happiness cannot be found through great effort and willpower, but is already present in open relaxation and letting go. Don't strain yourself is nothing to do nor undo. Whatever momentarily arises in the body-mind has no real importance at all, has little reality whatsoever. Why identify with and become attached to it, passing judgment upon it 
and ourselves. Far better to simply let the entire game happen on its own. Springing up and falling back like waves without changing or manipulating anything and notice how everything vanishes and reappears magically again and again, time without end. Only our searching for happiness prevents us from seeing it. It's like a vivid rainbow which you pursue without ever catching or a dog chasing its own tail. Although peace and happiness do not exist as an actual thing or place, it is always available and accompanies you every instant. Don't believe in the reality of good and bad experiences. They are like today's ephemeral weather, like rainbows in the sky. Wanting to grasp the ungraspable, you exhaust yourself in vain. As soon as you open and relax this tight fist of grasping, infinite space is there, open, inviting, and comfortable. Make use of this spaciousness, this freedom, and natural ease. Don't search any further. Don't go into the tangled jungle looking for the great awakened elephant who's already resting quietly at home in front of your own hearth. Nothing to do or undo. Nothing to force. Nothing to want and nothing missing. Amaho, marvelous, wow, everything happens by itself.
Just a few concluding remarks. You may have been, you may have found that you're really benefiting from the second approach, using the breath as an anchor. This is not saying you have to drop that. It's not a rigid curriculum where you progressively move from one to two to three. For many, some people it is. It just works out that way. It needn't be, though. Some of you who are rather new to this may want to spend much of your time on this retreat in, contempl- in the first contemplation to build in a nice foundation of calm and steadiness so that you more realistically can do two and three. So you're exposed to the third one, which for some people is more natural. They're not as drawn to the breathing. This is something that I've learned over time, working with many yogis. And they just want to go right from the breath, the calming, to just awareness. Fine. So it's a pliable, flexible approach. It's not uh, a progression mandatory or the first contemplation is not kindergarten. Advanced meditators including the Buddha used it from time to time. You just sit and breathe and just bring a lot of joy into the heart. So part of our practice is discovering your path. It's not it's easier if I just tell you what to do this is giving you some options. You can see they're closely related. The second mode of awareness is quite similar to the third, except that you have a friend, the breath. And if that is helpful, that can take you as far as you want to go. But the day may come where you find you're just sitting and it's extra to depend on anything except awareness. Trust that. Take refuge in the awareness. Finally, it all ends up there. Because it sees all these different techniques and methods. That's why sometimes the third, when it really matures, When it matures, it's effortless. There's no yogi trying to be choicelessly aware. That's approximating it. It just is. It's sometimes called a method of no method. But it's also very easy, it's very fertile ground for delusion. People think they're doing that and all they're doing is free associating. Just floating, getting caught up all over the place. It's nice, relaxed, but it's not exactly what this is. There is a quality of sensitivity and alertness that's non-judgmental in the midst of all this relaxation. In fact, it's inseparable from it. Be patient. Allow the process to work. See what's best for you. Experiment. 
things change in life, things change from sitting to sitting. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.